Hello, this is Boss Woman, a podcast about women, comedy, and business. My name's Katie, and this is my mum, Karen. <laughs> Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this. Mama said, Mama said, Mama said, there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this. My mama said. So this week, I have a question for you, another question. Oh dear. Um, it's about that gut feeling. So, in your time, you have had a feeling about somebody and went with it, and you've taken a risk, a huge risk, with a number of different performers. And I want to know how you know that they're the one, and why did you decide to quit your job at the time, and what gave you the gut feeling that Gilda Bloom was the right move for you to just do that? Well, starting with the Gilda Bloom, I didn't give up my job for four years. I ran the Gilda Balloon. You were doing it together. While I was the PA to the Norwegian Consul General. And the I did that. four years? Yeah, I didn't leave till 1990. Oh, right. I was too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was because you came along and I thought, actually, it's, it sounds a really odd thing to say, but because of you, it encouraged me to leave my job. Yes, that's an insane thing to do. I know. Being a single mother. I know. It really was, but I thought if I don't do it, you know, it, it, I just, it, I had to do it. Really? And um, the first thing I did was I, I asked for a year out, you know, if I could just... From the, your job. What yes. were you doing? I was the PA to the Norwegian Consul General. Um, oh. And uh, so I was, I was paid by the Norwegian government and mm. quite nicely for yeah. that. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I was on a good salary for those years, you yeah. know. Um, but what, so why, if you were on a good salary, then why were you working in the evenings as well? Because you used to do bar work as well. Well, because it was, ne- it was never. never enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was never enough. No, I worked, and it was a very cushy because it was nine till four. Oh, I see. So then you bought, you had like two hours and then you went to the bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two hours to get you your tea. But it was the <laughs> bar that meant that the Gilda Balloon... So it was the bar work that meant that the Gilda Bloom happened? No? No, it wasn't the bar work. It was the people I knew and uh, it was when I presented uh, jazz. I, I worked for, um, not the jazz festival, but um, I worked for Platform Jazz, which eventually became the jazz festival. Oh, right. Uh, Platform Jazz was, um, was run by Roger Spence, who... Who now? Who now? He still didn't create runs. the jazz festival, but he because he's uh, in charge of the jazz festival. Yeah. So, uh, and it was at the Cali, the Caledonian Hotel, and I was the door bitch, and I took <coughs> the money, and I I presented the the people on stage and bloody blah. Did so you? I, you did yeah. the whole. Uh, please uh, welcome to the stage. Uh-huh. Oh, that's my least favorite Not thing to do. Please welcome to the stage. Please welcome some you know mm-hmm. wonderful that was um, really different yeah. from what I just said no <laughs> no welcome oh I see welcome to the stage I thought you meant welcome the stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, anyway so I did all of that and uh, I think you've seen a picture of me introducing on stage where I looked uh, yeah. incredibly slim you did look I was good at your my, I was at my slimmest was that your day. red dress no, my black Chinese oh, dress. Oh, of course, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was uh, found by this guy who wanted to start a, a casino and he wanted 
you wanted a club, a private club. And, uh, gentleman's club? Not a gentleman's club oh, okay. at all, um, but a private member, members club, like yeah. they have in London. And I was to be the front woman. The hostess. The hostess, yeah. And, which, and I ended up saying I would only do it if I, they, he made me a director. Really? And I ended up, he made me a director and I ended up making it a comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my so that God. was in. I didn't realise that. Yeah, in '85, it mm-hmm. was. It was great, actually. So where was that? But it wasn't in the Cowgate, where the original go go to Bloom was. No, it was in the West End, actually, in um, Palmerston Place. Oh. So it was Six Palmerston Place. Oh right. uh, And it was called McNally's, and uh, <clears throat> it was a nice bijou club, <laughs> and. Alan Cumming and Forbes Masson performed there. Yes, okay, um, okay. And, I'm catching uh, up now. Yes, and... Uh, Bing Hitler. Bing Hitler. And being... Say his name because it's weird saying that out of context. Craig Ferguson. <laughs> Craig Ferguson. Um, he actually phoned me up and told me he was changing his name to Bing Hitler. And I went, what? You are kidding me. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is a fair, fair point, really. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he, um, there was lots of them, uh, what's his name, um, Paul Merton, who was actually Paul Martin, and Paul Martin uh, had to change his name to Merton because there was, was an actor an called, actor, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, that's what Ed Knight had to do, wasn't it? Ed Day, Ed Knight. That's right. Sorry, did I ruin your surprise, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> I know your parents. <laughs> Yes, so there was lots of people. The other, the other actor, actor, comic, that was there um, was um, Neil Malarkey and oh, Mike Myers. I see. And they did a double act, which was phenomenal. Really? Yeah. Was they, it sketches and stuff, or what was it? It was very like um, the Umbilical Brothers. Mm. You know that trick they do where they walk downstairs. Yeah. Oh, and their and hands the and stuff come out. And yeah. Then, yeah. That kind Behind of thing, down. and uh, it was brilliant having them. And actually, it was a good few years because Mike Myers went on to Saturday Night Live after that. How I don't, I still don't understand. Sorry to backtrack, but why did you decide to make it a comedy club? What was your connection to comedy? Jan and Steve. Really? Is that was it them? It was them and all the people they knew. But how? Was, when did how? Jan and Steve is Steve Frost and Janet, Janet Prince. Prince. But how were, long before had you met them? So this was '85. I had met them in '81. Okay, so you'd known them for a couple of years. Yeah. You were pretty yeah. close and they, to them. Yeah. Well, yes, we had a few drunken parties together. Yes, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> those were the days. <laughs> uh, sorry, carry on. So McNally's. What happened then? Um, I ended. He he wanted to make money right away. The guy who owned it. And, uh, and was I, it was it difficult to get people in and all that? You know all the stuff that I'm experiencing now with the venue in Edinburgh. Yeah, but we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a restaurant downstairs, proper good restaurant. Yeah. Um, and Rolf, my brother, worked in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And um, like a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> um, and April Ashley, and uh, she was there one night, and she fell down the stairs, <gasps> and. Uh, it looked like she had hit her face and she just looked up again and went, Hello! <laughs> she looked exactly the same. Oh she God. was absolutely stunning. Oh, my God. Um, and Billy Connolly and, um, came down and he was absolutely lovely. I'd You've met, met him. him. 
Okay. Yeah, I'd met him a few years before, and he remembered meeting oh, me. I didn't know you met Which him. was stunning. Everyone remembers meeting you. No, 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 it's not. It's just that Billy Connolly has a very good memory. Really? He really does. You know, and, the, and that is, you're asking about gut feelings. That is what is special about some performers, yeah. that they pay attention to people yeah. and, they, and they talk to, you know, the cameraman and yeah. the big star. It's not just about... Yeah, yeah. They care, mm -hmm. you know, and they listen and, to you and not yeah, look behind you. Whilst that's right, talking exactly. To you and, they look into your eyes, yeah. and that is a very special. And there's not many people like that. Yeah, I have to say that when I've met, I mean, I've met a lot of people, and I've known a lot of people my entire life, and a lot of them will talk through you, and then there's others that remember you and say, "Hey, Katie, how are you?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, I can't believe that you remember me." Mm -hmm. But that's also a trait that I'm trying to learn as well. It's really important, and I think it's. Yeah, Mem remembering people, knowing what they do, you know, it's like having a little file of facts in your head. You need to. Well, when I met Billy Connolly, when I was doing that club, yeah. I had met him 10 years before. Really? And he remembered. And he remembered because um, maybe he didn't remember me. Maybe it was the place we were. But he. he I, I, you know, now I'm doubting myself. Because <laughs> he was so lovely and we had a great chat about yeah. everything, you know. And, um, but, and, but he, he, what was great about him is he always used to come and see all the new comics yeah, he, over the years. He came to the Guild of Balloon. He gave often. a shit about the industry and oh, what was very going much on. So. Yeah. Very much so. And him being at the top of it and yeah. the best, still the best, yeah. I think. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I, I remember going to see him you know, in the 70s, and he was the first stand-up comic. He And he wasn't really a stand-up comic, he was a musician mm. that did comedy in between. Yeah. But the comedy took over, and oh my God. You know, he was the first one to release cassettes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, about his routines and everything. But you had, so are you saying that you had this, a similar feeling about other people that you met after seeing Billy? You knew that Billy had, had it. Yeah. Did you well, get a similar feeling from... Many. Seeing other people. Even if they were still super new and Dylan Moran was a very he was a very he was you knew right away, even although he would shake around with a glass of beer yeah, in his yeah. hand and a cigarette so, in the other and yeah. but he has it, you yeah, know. He knows Absol what he's doing yeah. for sure. Absolutely. His, his writing is poetry, though. It I is, know. What, the words that come out of his mouth, you're just like, how did you even think, think of that. to put that together? I know. It's incredible. And I love he, seeing him. he has been one of the best comics for 20 years. But now. you saw him. Over 20 I mean, he won, so you think you're funny? Yes, he did. So, he did. What, but he was always, he's always been like that? Oh, he was, he was a bit of a. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was it was hilarious. I don't know if you'll remember this, but um, he he had a few drinks to celebrate, mm -hmm. and he went into the bar and uh, met Seamus Cassidy, who was the head of comedy at Channel Four at the time. Yeah, and uh, he said, "Well, when am I getting my my uh, TV series then?" Yeah, and he went, "Oh, where are you going?" <laughs> yeah, but everyone <laughs> must have gone up to Seamus. And of course, said that. And of course, he no, but. It's, it was just that cheeky way, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but of course, he did get it with black books. And yeah. Good on him. Yeah, know? of course. And they would fall over their feet to give him anything mm -hmm. he wanted. I think now. Yeah. But oh my God, in those days, um, yeah. We he ended up going to the Pleasance, which really upset me, you know. Yeah. 
But it was probably my fault because I was really horrible to him. When we were... <laughs> <laughs> what did you do to him? Well, he drank too much and I wanted him to stop. And now he doesn't, he doesn't touch doesn't alcohol. Drink, he it's doesn't amazing. Drink a drop. Which is fantastic. <clears throat> you know, I mean, he, he, like? has, he has, as many of us have, learnt an awful lot over the years. <laughs> yes, and exactly. he has the two but most he's beautiful as... children and the most gorgeous wife in the world. And he's still just as talented, isn't he? Not oh, he's that. more talented, yeah. I think. So, back to gut feeling. Oh, you sorry. I had a gut feeling about... I mean, that's a gut feeling about a few people now. How do you know? Because my experience, I mean, I'm doubting myself all the time and it drives me insane. Any decision that I'm making... We because, all doubt ourselves. No, no, but because I don't have the experience or any... I don't know, I've only been doing it for four years or whatever. It's difficult for me to know that's the right decision then. How do you know? Maisie Adam. Yeah. What do you think? She's incredible and she's going to be huge. Yeah. And how do you know? She's... She's just... Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know. She yeah, has that, got it. That, uh, yeah, but that's just my opinion. Uh-huh. I mean, and you can only go by your opinion. When in 2005, in April 2005, I was in at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I'd heard rumblings about this guy mm. um, and he was in a venue far away from the town hall mm-hmm. and obviously Susan Proven that I mentioned earlier from the Melbourne Comedy Festival was there as well. She went out of the blue and so did I. You went and together? No, we didn't go together. Oh, right. I went and she went and of Separately. course she sat beside me because I saw her there. Oh, right. So you did go to the same show as what I was saying. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Don't be so confused. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Terribly sorry. Yes. So, um, and the moment Tim Minchin came out onto that stage with his crazy hairdo and, you know, his long black coat mm. and his bare feet... And on this occasion, he jumped out of the audience and jumped onto a girl and gave her a big hug. Mm-hmm. And then, and at that moment, he reminded me a bit of Phil Kay. Sure. But then, the moment he he started playing the piano and singing his own, um, not only his own melodies, but his own um, music, his own what do you call it, lyrics? Lyrics. You just knew right away. Yeah. And what I was so impressed by was. That it was a show from beginning, middle to an end. He'd, even yeah, although, our, uh, yeah, and even although he would go off on a tangent mm-hmm. now and then, he just he was a star. He was an yeah. absolute star then, yeah. and obviously still is today. Mm-hmm. And I met him the next day. I got in touch with him. Obviously, when I didn't go backstage, I I um, left my card for him and asked if he would call me, and he did call me. Yeah. And we met at the Western, where I stay in Melbourne, um, in the foyer. Mm -hmm. And he had that, I shouldn't really say this because he'll be embarrassed, but you know that Australian thing where they have that half, that big band with their long hair and they... Because he had, like, he had back-combed hair, basically, so he just had, like, a big... No, he had a big band on. (laughs) You know, like a hat, but a whole, you know... (laughs) It's like an Alice band, but fat. Yeah, but but continuous, a circle. Yes, a continuous <laughs> circle. <laughs> and I just thought, oh my God. Anyway, he was very trendy. Yes. Um, and That was the fashion in 2005, that, apparently. Yes, apparently. <laughs> and uh, we got on immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, we got on really well. And um, I got to know his 
his wife and his sister and his mum mm-hmm. and dad and um, it was kind of no going back. Once we decided, well, the first thing I should have said that during the show I said to Susan, what the hell, why has this guy not been discovered yet? Why don't you know about him? Mm-hmm. And she went, I know, why don't I? <laughs> yeah. she, was, she was just as taken aback. Yeah. So um, there was a direct, director's award awarded at the, they had uh, an awards thing towards the end of the festival, mm-hmm. which he got awarded, you know, a couple of thousand dollars yeah. to pay for him to come over. And I gave him the biggest room in the house. I know. Because yeah, actually, I initially put him into 120 seats. Yeah, that wasn't the plan originally. But then somebody pulled out and I, I put him into uh, a 350 seater. The biggest venue. With a white grand piano. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was Talk a, about risking uh, cash there, Karen. You just <laughs> I know put it all on the it line. It was you? brilliant though, but also um his his sister came over and helped promote Pretty it. Pretty much his whole family came yeah. over, didn't they? Well no, his mum and dad didn't. No. Um and um I didn't meet them till Montreal the next year. Uh, he oh, was really? invited to Montreal, yeah. Yeah, he had a bit of a whirlwind after that, didn't he? Oh, it was it was meteoric rise. Yeah. He got best newcomer that year. Yeah, and um, no, he there was he was at the Gilda Balloon for three years, mm-hmm. but after the second year, he decided to move to London, and of course, the Royal Shakespeare Company got in touch with him, and he wrote Matilda. Yeah, and incredible. no looking back, he's brilliant. Yeah, and his family are fantastic. And, and you're Katie, still good friends yeah, with them. And, and Katie came and worked with us. Katie being his sister. Yeah, Katie mentioned she came and stayed here actually for three months. It's great. Yeah, it's like having you. You were at university. Yeah, at I was at university. She was. And yeah, sorry, I, just having a bit more wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's gorgeous. And she is absolutely. But you're friends with the whole family now, aren't you? Yeah, and you've infiltrated. Yes, um, they're. Younger sister Nell, mm. uh, who's now got two little girls, yeah, and Dan's the older and brother. And she's uh, got her own TV production company and worked with um, Auntie Donna a lot, who's That's another right. one that you brought over from Australia. That's well, right, yeah. Who are huge now as well, crazy. Um, I know they were meant to come this year, and they are going to New York instead. Yeah, they're they're busy in America. That's right. So. But you're what saying, you're how do you know? I've already asked you. I don't it, know. It's a gut feeling. Yeah, it's a gut feeling, of course, but there's something about somebody that wants it. Sorry, like, I was going to say about Tim Minchin, there was a documentary made um, called Rock and Roll Nerd, yeah. which is the most embarrassing thing. It because is not that embarrassing. I find it embarrassing. and it shouldn't. Well, it's embarrassing in that... I didn't get what I wanted out of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, but apart from his friendship. I think you come across well on it. You come across genuine and you yeah. You can get it on Amazon, by the way, <laughs> if you want to see it. Um, but, no, I think it, it wasn't so embarrassing for Tim. Yeah. But it was for Sarah because Sarah actually... Um, his partner, wife. His wife, yes, who actually got pregnant lost a child oh, yeah, and then had another baby who is gorgeous violet of course, yeah. but the the documentary went right up to her being in labor mm-hmm. which has got to be the most embarrassing thing in the world so and she is a superstar she, she is, is yeah. absolutely stunning she's, gorgeous she's and a fabulous. wonderful woman yeah. you know 
Um, and I think that I, I know documentaries have to be so truthful, but mm-hmm. um, oh, and you just wait till they make a documentary of you. Babe. They will never make a documentary about me. <laughs> I can sure assure of it. you. Of when that. you're a podcast star, they're gonna make you <laughs> make a documentary about you. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. <clears throat> you asked me why do you, why do you know that Maisie Adams has got it? But there's something about the person that they are so determined. Like she, seeing her on Saturday, her hour show, she's she's been doing stand up for a year and a half. She's got a full hour show that she's written and is almost ready for the fringe. She's got a couple more previews. And she then did a 20 minute set, completely different material. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe how hard she's been working. And she's. I would say to her not to do another 20 minute set while she's still learning. I no, would say. Well, I, it was so accomplished. I couldn't. Yeah. I could not believe it. Mm-hmm. But. And there was bits that she'd taken out of the show and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of that will just feed into what she's... Because she's got... Well, in five years' time, we'll see. I just think she's... And I think there's something to be said about if they want it. I think you have a gut feeling about somebody and they are determined and they want it. They will go and get it. It's a lot harder for a woman, though. Yeah. It's, I mean, is it still nowadays? Well... I hope not. Sarah Pascoe, for example, is doing brilliantly. Yeah. And she was in... And so you think Of course. But what I mean is, these girls have all been um, in So You Think You're Funny, and it's taken them, like, Mm -hmm. another five years, say. I mean, I would say Maisie Adams in five years' time is going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, Um, do you think that if it was a man, it would be faster? Well, Peter Kay, in 97, Mm -hmm. went straight onto TV. Really? Yeah. And, And lots of them do, because, obviously, broadcasters are looking for material, and, you know... Yeah. But I think now it's... I mean, it has changed. Yes, it has changed. And I think uh, women are doing so much better. And that's why we're talking... We've got a podcast. (laughs) We are wanting to support and help women. Yes, of course. Because there I have only spoken about gut feeling about men. I know. I mean, I have to say, Jo Brand in her early days... Sure. She was at the Gilded Balloon and she was called Sea Monster in those days. The Sea Monster. Really? It's because she had... a. An interesting delivery, and presumably because of her size, but she would go, you know, that was the joke. She she wouldn't that that was words actually. You know the you know the delivery of a joke would be very monotone. Yeah, you know, and her monotonity has now has now changed completely, of course, because of the years of her doing it, but. Uh, I remember talking to her and she kept the same material for five years. Really? Yeah. I mean, it must have been harder for her. Oh, it was. Um, and no, I think she had a terrible time with the press. Yeah, really? You know, yeah, you know, because of her size she and because... Piss out of her. You know, well, you know, you hear her talking about how they would say she's a lesbian and oh, she was not sake. anything, you know. Yeah. She's a very happily married woman with two absolutely stunningly gorgeous, intelligent children who are girls, who are lovely. Um, But she's a very private person. When was the first time you met Joan? In around about 88. Mm -hmm. um, Just in her beginning of her years. Really? Um, Oh, what a time we used to have. (laughs) We, yeah. We'd sit and smoke. Yeah. Everything was smoking then. God, late in life was 
the smell was, you know, I remember yeah. the smell in my hair in the morning. Oh, yeah. dear. Yeah. But it was great. Did you know that Joe Brown was going to become as big as she did? Has? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Jenny Eclair also worked with us. Mm. She was in... She wrote a play with Maria McCurlane and... Uh, oh, dear. This goes out and I've forgotten her name. Anyway, Three Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called 30 Somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jenny was... I mean, they were all very funny. But Jenny... It took her quite a few years... But she actually won the Perry yeah. Award. Yeah, great. The first woman. Mm-hmm. Was know? she the first woman? Mm-hmm. Was first she? First woman, yeah. Well, wow. apart from Emma Thompson, who actually won it the first year with the Cambridge Footlights. Footlights. So, you know, yeah. not quite the same, you no. know. Um, but, you know, it was all the camaraderie in those days, mm-hmm. and there just wasn't enough women doing it, unfortunately. And Donna what? McPhail was a great stand-up. Yeah, what happened to Donna McPhail? I remember she's her. A, she's a carpenter. Really? Yeah. Wow. Or, is it a carpenter or a... She works with wood, anyway, <laughs> which is great. Wow. And what about Mel and Sue? Oh, yeah, Mel and Sue. They must have been a gut, a gut feeling as well. You knew no, they well, were they, they were in Cambridge Footlights. Yes. Well, they only performed at the Gilded Balloon through Cambridge Footlights. Then they went off oh, to other places. I see. But I did have that time where um, my general manager was actually yeah. <laughs> was actually having a little um, affair. Not an affair. Uh, not affair. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Anyway, my production manager and the general manager were off. Having a nice time. Having a nice time. And, you know, when you work at the festival, you can play hard. But you have to work hard. And work hard. And um, she had disappeared for a couple of days and I went down to the house. And I didn't realise Mel and Sue actually lived in the same (laughs) house as them. And what did you do? I'm I'm going through the letterbox going, Hey, come on, open this door. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, she was terrified. What? Um, Mel and Sue were terrified. No, or? they weren't terrified. Well, maybe they were. I think they probably were, yeah. <laughs> but I got a hold of her and uh, she came back in tears and everything. and <laughs> Crocodile tears. Uh, I did send her flowers and apologise oh, for good. giving her such a hard time. Good. And Mel and Sue told the story in some something. I heard the story somewhere. <laughs> anyway, lots of stories. Um, well, I, we were talking about gut feeling. Yes. How do you know? I My feeling is that when you have a gut feeling, you believe it, you push them and help them as much as you can. And when it actually happens, then it is the most wonderful yeah. thing ever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's why you do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Phil Kay, for example, yeah, I actually I looked after him for 20 years. Yeah, so long. And after 20 years, I couldn't help him anymore. Mm-hmm. I tried and I tried. And in and he was incredible in his day. In the like, early 90s, there was no comic funnier than him. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I still care about him. I think he's a wonderful guy, mm-hmm. but he he was not... He had a different vision. Yeah, well... Phil was always really jealous of artists and uh, yeah. his half-brothers were in a pop band so he wanted to be a musician. But it's always like that, grass is always greener. Yeah. 
And the yeah, grass yeah. isn't always greener. No. That's the thing. No. And if only you could have the wisdom to know, and that's why I absolutely admired Tim Minchin, because mm-hmm. he did the same structured show every single night for 27 nights when mm-hmm. he was working at the Gilded Balloon. And, you know, he would, when he got bored a bit, he would go off on a tangent a bit. But really, yeah. it was always the same show, yeah. like a really good actor. Because he you knew know. what was good. Mm-hmm. He knew what... That's right. You know, he knew where, where his strengths were. Mm-hmm. And there's been loads of them like that, but yeah. a lot of them that... I mean, Bill Bailey, for example, he was in a double act. Yeah, when um, you first saw him, yeah. Yeah, called The Rubber Bishops. <laughs> the Rubber Bishops. And uh, Martin, he became a school teacher, or he probably was a school teacher and went back yeah. to it. But Bill... Honestly, I have never, ever seen a comic work as hard as that man does. Really? And did. He would do, like, four gigs a night all over London. And, you know, he worked. Because he wanted it so badly. I don't know if it was he wanted it. He enjoyed it. He was was a good actor. He was a brilliant musician. He's got letters after his name from the London School of Music. I mean, he's, he's... He's incredibly talented. talented. Yeah. Um, and now, I saw him um, yesterday, actually, and he has just finished 101 dates. 101 dates. He was, Too many he dates. Was in, he was in great form because he had finished 101 yeah, that's dates. That's incredible. But, oh, God. But he still enjoys it and yeah. he gets something out of it. Yeah, which is it what is, it's all about. It yeah. is so fantastic. He is one of the best, yeah. you know. So your gut feeling worked out then with all these? Yes. Well, it doesn't work out with everyone. After Tim Minchin, the next year, somebody got in touch with me and said, could you do a Tim Minchin on me? And I said, what? Meaning the yeah, marketing yeah, yeah. we did and everything, because we went out, we really sold it. I know, yeah, know, yeah, I remember. But, but the thing is, that can work to a certain extent. Yeah, you've got to have talent. <laughs> you've got yeah, to have but a it, show that lives it, up to it, the hype. Yes. And, and the word... Of mouth. Well done. Did you like that? Got it right. She always says word and mouth. <laughs> the word of mouth that um, that happened with Tim. You know, I got every single critic I could lay my hands on in to see him. Yeah, Kate Copsick talks about you dragging I her. I dragged her in. <laughs> and um, that was all fantastic. But you can have a good feeling about people but it doesn't mean to say it always works question for you that's exactly what I was going to ask you yeah have you had a gut feeling about somebody that has been an embarrassment or been embarrassing to you has let you down and you don't need to name names well I've just named Phil K yeah no, that is the biggest one you don't want to say that he let you I down mean, you just had a different vision as I said well I I'm thinking more of the positives, mm-hmm. like Johnny Vegas, like um, uh, who else was Johnny Vegas in '97? He was. Oh yes, I'll tell you who I was um, awful to. Oh God, not awful, but I was. I was hard on was Jason Byrne. Really? Because Jason, uh, a fabulous guy. Yeah. Such a genuinely nice person. But he used to come up and do... Because Phil used to do a joke where um, if somebody goes to the toilet, he says to everybody, right, let's all... All of us, let's go and hide behind the curtain. And 
He mm-hmm. used to actually get the audience, the entire and, audience, and entire audience, and put them behind a curtain, yeah. so that the the person who's at the toilet <laughs> comes in, in, and there's nobody there. Um, but there were certain things that he used to do, and this is you have got to remember this is in the first year of Jason performing mm-hmm. because there's nobody like Jason now. No, but and I used to I used to go into the dressing room and say, "Will you stop doing filky jokes?" Oh, really? You know, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. And I think I was like that for the first year or two. But, but was then, that in the height of filky? Yes, that was in the height of filky, and of course. What happened is they found their own style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, I think there's a lot of imitation when you first start because you're trying to find your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and um, Eddie Izzard, for example, he started his first three years of stand-up at the Gilded Balloon, mm. and he he was absolutely brilliant because he was an escapologist. Yeah, is um, that a word? A escapologist, yes. Okay, sorry. And he used to. I'm learning so much. (laughs) He used to do on the streets. uh, You know, um, he was a street. He was a street performer. (laughs) That's right. And he had lots of friends that were street performers. Mm -hmm. Um, And he decided to get in stand-up comedy, and you know, brilliant that he did. Um, And but again, there was no like no one like him. Yeah, Eddie and. Um, Phil and Stuart Lee and um, Ross Noble all were sort of fantasist types. They all went into different kind of... It was completely different from what had gone before. Really? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And they made you think and made Mm -hmm. you made you fantasise a lot. like escapism, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which was great, because prior to that, you know, it was um, a lot of political... Yeah, but also a lot of political stuff, you know, from Maggie Thatcher years and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, and that... And then, of course, women came along. (laughs) And then women started being like boys. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask you about Henry Naylor, because he was one that you've... Uh-huh. You've worked with a lot and you've worked with for a number of years until now he seems to be making a name for himself and doing really well and it's not been like that. Well, he he was a comedian. Yeah. He was in the Cambridge Footlights with Mel and Sue and Yeah. Um and, and then Parsons uh, and Naylor. Yeah. In the nineties. Um He was a writer for Spitting Image. That's right. Very talented man. Yes. And also uh the a credit card company he did <laughs> he did a, a advert on TV with I think it was Rowan Atkinson anyway yeah. he was a very successful man but back in those days he was also quite a serious writer and I mean it was down to his comedy writing that he made he started writing some very serious things he's now written about ten or twelve or maybe even eleven. Um, <laughs> amazingly serious plays that are getting incredible reviews God he's so talented, his writing is unbelievable, you can just the listening to his writing you just visualise everything it is all in the words as well oh, it's unbelievable it is incredible but it did take him a while to get to that didn't it he wasn't getting the critical well, acclaim that he, he maybe deserved he wasn't getting the attention yeah. um 
and and theatre critics weren't taking them seriously. But you still stuck with them and put them on. And, oh yeah, absolutely. So you must have had a, a feeling. He's an incredible about guy and incredibly talented. So you must have had a feeling about him as well. And is that the moral of this episode <laughs> that you have to trust your gut? You do have to trust your gut, and even you, if sometimes it isn't good, it goes the I wrong know, way. But, no, because your gut will guide you somewhere. Yeah. It might not be where you expected it to go. Yeah. But it will go somewhere. Yeah. As I say, the Phil K did, but Phil K is still working. But oh yeah, yeah. Not and he still us. has five star shows. Yeah. And then he has, you know, it just he's fluctuates, but mm-hmm. he's still an incredibly talented guy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mother, for another inspiring episode. <laughs> That was quite good. Yeah, do you think she's lying? Shut up. All right. Now, I just have to say to my daughter, stop telling me to shut up. (gasps) (laughs) Never. Somebody's got to. (laughs) Bye. Bye. There'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said.